So instead of saying, you know, first, second, and third place for top code, we're saying what does first, second, and third place look for? Like for documentation or technical writing, who can build the best um, developer advocacy strategy, who can actually build, you know, contribution ladders and triage process, who can do the most robust community hospitality type and welcoming things. Those are things that we've heard over and over from open source communities. They absolutely need these things. These are things that are critical for the success of their communities. And they are having a hard time sourcing people to fill those roles because most people don't know they exist. Hi, I'm Stephanie Tumampos, and you're listening to Down to Earth, the show where we talk to incredible geoscientists about their science and its impacts on our planet. This season, we're speaking to a wide variety of folks to investigate all things open science. Last episode, we chatted with UV Panda about the open source component of open science. One message he left with us was the need to include more voices in the open source community. And when he said more voices, he was referring to both socioeconomically diverse voices as well as non-programmers. The fact is, open source communities need more than just coders to have a welcoming, thriving collective of contributors. The Pangeo project, for example, wouldn't be as successful at helping Earth Sciences folks if the only people involved were coders like Yuvi. Yuvi is certainly an expert with very useful skills, but how would he know what I need for my research if I don't contribute to the community as well? The barrier, though, is that when people think of open source, they automatically think of programmers and coders. Since I'm not yet an expert at coding, I'm definitely reluctant to join and contribute to an open source community. But one woman is working hard to change this stereotype, and today, I get to talk to her. This episode of Down to Earth is brought to you by the IEEE Geoscience and Remote Sensing Society. The GRSS is a community of passionate researchers and practitioners who are working to benefit society through their science, engineering, education, and applications. This year, GRSS is excited to collaborate with the NASA Transform to Open Science initiative to celebrate the Year of Open Science with a whole down-to-earth season devoted to this very topic. To learn more and get involved in the year-long events and celebrations, visit science.nasa.gov and search for Open Science. I am Demetris Cheatham. I'm the Senior Director for Diversity and Inclusion Strategy at GitHub. And I also have founded an open source community called All In, which I am so excited to tell you about, but I don't want to steal the thunder too soon. So I'll talk to you about that in a little bit. As you just heard, this is Demetris Cheatham. For just over a year, she's been building a very exciting project at GitHub called All In Open Source that's focused on bringing more diversity into the open source space. If you're serious about expanding the talent pool, you're also expanding the mindset and using a gross mindset of who actually is a developer, who's building. And building looks so different to so many people in so many different places. Dimitris is incredibly passionate about this work. You can just hear it in her voice. What's really cool about Dimitris is that this passion of hers is partly a product of a very rich career. Just listen to the set of experiences she had before finding herself at GitHub. Started out as a hardcore programmer in C++, which totally dates me. But, uh, you know, my first job out of undergrad was in, at Goldman Sachs as a technology analyst in uh, New York City. Afterwards, they placed me in business continuity planning. 
in which I got to see the business side of tech, which really, really fascinated me. So I decided to go back to school and ended up getting a JD MBA, my law degree and my MBA. Um, And then after I came out of there, I was a forensic accounting, did a lot of internal investigations. um, And that led me to joining the National Bar Association, where I ultimately became the first woman and the youngest executive director of the National Bar Association, which is the nation's largest and oldest um, bar association for black. It's not even the nation, it's the world's for black lawyers, um, law professors, law students and judges. And so that was an amazing experience there. And that's probably when I really started focusing on diversity and inclusion without knowing I was focusing on diversity and inclusion. After there, I ended up taking a job with an elected official vice chair of the um, D.C. City Council. That really just tossed me completely into the world of understanding how government and policy, how that actually is so critically important to diversity and inclusion. So now you have me with the nonprofit experience, social sector. Now I have the government and policy. And then after I finished working with him, I said, you know what? I want to go back into tech my first love, computer science. And then this opportunity came along with GitHub, leading diversity and inclusion here. And they said, we want to understand how diversity and inclusion, how do we advance that across the entire open source ecosystem, our platform? So at uh, GitHub, I lead diversity and inclusion, but focusing mainly on, you know, that platform and just the overall open source ecosystem. So that's kind of the short abbreviated version to, to how I got to where I am today. What an amazing array of experiences, Demetrius. And now you've come back to tech and you're breaking down barriers in the open source community, which is really cool. Before we dive into your work with GitHub All In, I want to start by clarifying the terms diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think people sometimes understand their meanings differently. So for the purposes of this conversation, what does diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, mean to you? You know, um... I think I could always start out with the quote by Bernay Myers, who's the head of um, diversity, and equity and inclusion for Netflix now. And she coined the phrase diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being invited to dance. Then someone has taken it further and said belonging is when the DJ asks you what music would you like to hear? And I would like to think that equity is making sure that everybody has the right outfit for them, the right shoes for them, the right dance floor for them. So that's just an analogy that I like to use. But diversity is, as you just said, so broad. It also means different things from country to country, from community to community, to neighborhood to neighborhood. So that's one of the beautiful things about diversity. But also one of the toughest things about diversity, right? Because how do you, quote unquote, solve for diversity and inclusion when it means something different to every single person that's on this planet? Um, So I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to a fixed definition of diversity, equity or inclusion, but I would like to say equity is where I lean and where I focus most of my work. I'm always looking for whose voice is not in the room, whose voice is not being heard. What are the cracks where if you're scaling a program where people can fall through? So equity is always given voice to those that are not in the majority, those who are often overlooked that need to make sure that they have a seat at the table as well. I think that's a pretty comprehensive explanation. Thanks. 
Now, you've taken this focus on equity into the open source community. And if I recall correctly, you started with some research, right? Tell us about this work. We um, conducted in partnership with the Linux Foundation last year a 2021 Open Source Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Survey. That survey was across all of open source, the entire ecosystem. We surveyed over 7,000 people, so not a small, insignificant number. 82% of the respondents said that they feel welcome in open source. And that was something that was a pleasant surprise. And I can tell you, like most people would be popping champagne bottles, raining confetti if they got an 82%, you know, approval or high engagement score. But I said, that's not the work of diversity, equity and inclusion, especially equity. We need to focus on the 18% or the almost one in five who do not feel welcome in open source because it's their stories, their challenges, their experiences that are keeping probably millions of others from even trying to get into open source. Mm. And what else did you learn from the survey? Oh, my gosh. What didn't we learn? That is a 64 page of just a researcher's dream, like all the data that you could possibly want. Um, you know, there was a lot of intriguing things that we found. And so and I must mention that not only did we run this open source DEI survey, but we also conducted a maintainers listening tour, which is a series of individual interviews, focus groups, and we had an online form where we heard from over 300 maintainers or community leaders um, because we found that they were the ones that people said had the most um, direct influence and impact on creating cultures of um, inclusion within their communities. Because we know data can tell you one thing, but sentiment can be telling you something else. So we actually wanted to talk to people as well. Just a quick terminology definition for our listeners not familiar with the open source community. Maintainers, which you'll hear a lot about, are like the CEOs of a community. They also oversee open source projects like a project manager. In addition to project oversight, they can get into the weeds of the coding work, jumping into review, fix, package, and organize code into repositories when needed. There are lots of other roles that make up open source communities, but maintainers are kind of the glue that binds. And as you heard from Demetrius, they're an important influence of the culture within an open source community. Now, back to the research findings. When you put the two of them together, you came up with a lot of interesting insights there. One of the things was around the critical need for documentation. And what we heard from overwhelmingly from the community, if you have great documentation, that's the number one way that we can feel like we're contributing, that we're seen, we're heard, and we understand how to have a meaningful impact within your community. So documentation was something that we probably would have overlooked, but for what we saw here is critical. The second thing was around code of conduct. What we found was that code of conduct is kind of baseline. Just about everybody have one now. Now, the next iteration is we have to make sure we have enforced code of conduct. But then we started hearing from maintainers around some of the risk that are inherent in them actually enforcing code of conduct. We are programmers. We're tech people. We're not legal. We're not HR. And a lot of times enforcing code of conduct, you have a lot of those things that are inherent in there. And so that was one of the reasons why we're also now focusing on non-coding contributions because there's a lot of different things and different areas of expertise, even beyond programming that we need in these communities in order to make them um, as inclusive as possible. Um, one of the things I would always say is the most intriguing thing, just for me personally, right? 
um, we saw very high numbers of women and people of color who also identified as maintainers or community leaders that felt that open source was just one of the most inclusive places ever. And that was intriguing to me. And I just started digging a little bit deeper. And what we found out in the listening tour was that a lot of those maintainers and, you know, women and people of color, they were trying to be a part of larger communities that not feel welcome. So they went and started their own communities. And that's why they created this very welcoming and inclusive environment. And so that might sound like something to celebrate, and it is something to celebrate. But the question that started coming into me was like, are we now creating this structure that ignores some of the non-inclusive behaviors that are happening in some of these other communities? So we can't use this success or this win as a way to ignore some of the things that are happening over there. And so those were kind of three findings around the documentation, the code of conduct, and this whole concept on why people create other um, communities. That's that's really some of three of the most intriguing things. Yeah, those are some interesting findings for sure. So what are you doing as a result? We are taking the findings from the all-in listening tour. We're taking the findings for the DEI survey and we're building out all-in for maintainers. What we heard from maintainers was that there's no shortage of podcasts, um, talks, articles, checklists, uh, conferences, or have you name it. Everybody's talking about how to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they said those resources are all over the place. They're getting spam with it. It's just they want to keep up with it, but it's just too much. And when they actually need something, they don't know where to find it. So they said if we could just have this one central location of all of these resources, that would be amazing. And we said, check, we can solve for that. So that's what we're launching um, first and foremost. The All In for Maintainers DEI Resource Hub. The second thing that they said was, every time someone tells us how to focus on DEI within our community, it's some manual, arduous, very data, like a lot of just typing and, and these things you have to do. They're like, we're programmers, we're developers. Can't somebody like build a tool or a you know, user interface, write a script or something? And I was like, huh, we can. So we're actually going to have the all-in grant program where we are going to identify some of the tools that those maintainers said that they would love to have. And we're going to actually pay people to build those tools to make them freely and widely available. The third thing that we're doing is this collaboration model. So we want to create kind of this clearinghouse, so to speak. So those smaller communities that need specific DEI type things done in their communities, they can now have larger communities that are going to partner with them, almost kind of like a big brother, big sister model, that they're going to come in and help them and provide those resources. So we're really excited about that. And we think that this is really going to help us really advance diversity, equity, and inclusion, community by community, which would then have the ripple effect of all of open source. Through GitHub's All-In for Maintainers initiative, which launched in January, Demetrius is also supporting maintainers with their equity and inclusion work. GitHub has also been focusing on bringing new voices into the community through GitHub All-In for Students. We'll share what this initiative does and how GitHub is also expanding beyond coders after the break. 
Are you a student or recent grad ready to reach your full potential in the geosciences? Then you need to join the Geoscience and Remote Sensing Society. With over 75 chapters in 94 different countries, you'll connect with a diverse community of professionals, experts, and advisors who can inspire your science and help shape your career. Find support and fellowship as part of our Young Professionals Network. Advance your skills through our GRSS schools, student travel grants, workshops, and more. Be at the forefront of geoscience research by joining our technical committees and network with geoscientists from around the world at IGARS, our flagship conference. Our incredible international community is ready to welcome you. Learn more and get connected today by visiting grss-ieee.org. Welcome back. Today, we're speaking to Demetrius Cheatham, Senior Director for Diversity and Inclusion Strategy at GitHub. Through GitHub All In, Demetrius has built resources to assist maintainers with creating cultures of inclusion in open source communities. GitHub has also started a program called All In for Students, focused on bringing fresh voices into these communities. Last year, we started a pilot with 30 students. These were students that went to minority serving institutions, which are historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, um, in the United States. We started purposely in the United States, but we are going to expand globally. These, they were at schools that usually don't show up on any company's recruiting radar. These are students that their GPA might not be indicative of their aptitude to succeed. So instead of us doing an application with an essay and all those things, which is which reeks of privilege in and of itself, we partner with the schools. We said, look out in the class, your classrooms. Tell us those students that are showing up every single day. They're working really, really hard. But because life has happened, they might not be getting the opportunities that they deserve. So we sourced the students that way. We took those 30 during the, the first semester of the program. We gave them open source one-on-one. We just taught them the language, what a community is, how to contribute to open source so they would be familiar with it. Then the second semester, we partnered with Major League Hacking, which is an organization that gave them a 12-week, 10-hour-per-week technical experience so that they walked away with a GitHub portfolio, the technical experience that they could apply to their resume. And throughout the entire year, both of the semesters, we gave them access to career development training. And the whole premise was that if we give them this open source education, the technical experience and that career development, it will prepare them for a summer internship or an internship with one of our corporate partners. Our corporate partners were Microsoft, GitHub, Fidelity, Red Hat, LinkedIn, and Cisco. So out of all of the students that completed the program, those requirements that I talked to you about, 100% of them got jobs in these companies. What's important about this, none of them had ever heard of open source before, and only two of them ever had an internship before. So we actually created pathways for these students. And this year, we're scaling. We have to scale, right? Scale while also balancing the impact. We started with 30 students. We're growing it by 10x this year to 300 students. Next year, we're targeting 1,500 students. And our goal is to have 5,000 students go through this program within the next year. I mean, within the next five years, don't let my boss hear him next year. 
And we're really excited because open science is going to be a part of this with us. We are working on a partnership with NASA, the Research Science Alliance, and we are, you know, in conversations with CZI as well, the Sean Zuckerberg Initiative to see how we can make sure that they, the students understand there's a career path in open science for them as well. This is an incredible way of bringing new people into open source. I love it. I wish it had been around when I started coding. You mentioned that many of the students in the pilot had never heard of open source, which to me is one of the big barriers for the open science movement. I mean, it's been around for a while, but still there are people who know nothing about open source or open science. Why do you think this is the case? Um, That's a great question. I honestly think that most people have, and this is me talking, I think most people have been exposed to open source. They just didn't know it. Like if you, they might just not be familiar with the nomenclature or the language behind it, but in just about everything that you do, you're open sourcing something some way if you're working with anybody else. And so I think it's just bringing open source and the knowledge mainstream. That's the type of programming that we're working on is bringing it down to meet people where they are. So when we are, we're working on something called an open source one-on-one, just an introduction to the vocabulary and all those things. And so my next, and I just got off a call, um, you know, iteration of this is how do we bring open source down so that it's understood at the K through 12 level? It's all around collaboration. That's all open source is. It's grounded in collaboration. And everybody learns how to collaborate when you're actually in preschool playing in the sandbox and learning how to share your toys. And so to the point you made, open source is everywhere. We just got to make sure that we're calling out what open source is and where you're already doing it. Yeah, very true. And you're also emphasizing the importance of non-coders joining the community as well, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm certainly starting to see a shift in people and in communities that understand that these are things that make our communities go round. Like these are things that are important. So I think as open source becomes even more prevalent and these communities grow, they are going to recognize that you're not going to be you're you're going to limit your success if you don't recognize and celebrate and acknowledge those non-coding contributions. So I honestly think that the success of open source is going to push the culture and push the shift. Now, do you have some people that have been in open source for years and years and years who are still sticking to the if you're not coding, you're not important to open source or, you know, we don't acknowledge that you can't be. A, sure, we have them. But I just think that this is going to be a point where kind of the the masses are going to dictate the culture. Kind of like, you know, if you think about every generation, whether it's millennials or Gen Z, depending on what they want and they deem important, usually society kind of evolves around that. Right. And I think that that's going to be very similar in open source. That's very true. And you mentioned earlier that a large percentage of folks feel welcome in the open source community. Mm -hmm. Do you think this sense of inclusion is replicated across all of open science? Um, Across all of open science? Yep. I think with open science, and I have to admit, and I know um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, I will be the first one that says that I didn't even know open science existed until I got invited to speak at CZI. And I just saw just the impact that open science can have. I think the issue, I'm just talking to different people that you have in open science, is that you don't have a lot of diversity of 
um, maybe lived experiences in open science. And so when you hear about academia, when you hear about research, you hear about jobs at NASA, you're assuming that it's these super scientist people who, you know, have these PhDs. And a lot of people, if you're talking about racial and ethnic minorities, um, we just don't even think that PhDs are even an option for us a lot of the times. And so there are some barriers around education and what's possible, um, I think, in open science. And so I think that just bringing it down so that people understand different people's career paths and how they got there, I think that's going to be one of the biggest areas of opportunity for open science. It's just kind of reaching down and finding people where they are and kind of creating that that pipeline, so to speak, every step of the way that somebody knows how they can go from, you know, undergraduate student, even K through 12 student, all the way into this successful career in open science and how it's not going to be detrimental to them or their families financial in doing so. I would totally relate to that. You know, I come from a small island in the Philippines and no, my parents were so, they were pretty pessimistic about my career path. They were mm -hmm. saying, what are you going to do with a PhD? Like, um, mm -hmm. you're not going to earn as much as the other professions are. And I think you kind of touched on this, but in your view, aside from the education part, what is still needed in terms of diversity and inclusion in open source and in the open science movement overall? Yeah. So one of the things that I would say is, is most definitely needed, and this is the premise in which All In is founded on, there are tons of research, resources, time, energy, money that's being invested in advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in tech, in open source, probably even open science. And what I found was this, the efforts are very siloed. Everybody's kind of in their own individual corners working on it, thinking about their most pressing need. There are not a lot of shared strategies. The way they're thinking about it, especially with companies, is that if we share our strategy on what's working for us, somebody else is going to take our strategy and use it to go after that very limited talent pool in which we also are going after. And I was like, that's such a fixed mindset and the total opposite of who we are in open source. And so we break it down and everybody approaches a little bit at a time. That's where I think we are going to collectively be able to move the needle. And so that's what I think that, that is the next wave of it. And what I'm very optimistic about, we're open source. This is what we do. We know how to do this. We, we're the ones that are just uniquely positioned to do it. What would you love to see happen as this movement grows? One of the things, and this is going to be a passion project of mine, it's not even part of All In, but I have this kind of list of things that I'm like, in a perfect world, I have all the time in the world to focus on this. Could we expand the employee or employer giving programs at companies? So a lot of companies now, as part of their social impact efforts, are saying, hey, if we have employees that volunteer at nonprofit organizations, we'll give them time off or even we'll make financial matching contributions to them. So a widespread policy that I would want to look at, and like I said, this is my passion project, why can't we expand that to open source or even open science contributions? Um, I'm also looking at corporation, community, kind of that relationship, because what we heard from maintainers is this. They will have contributors or new people to, to coding in general come into their community and they train them. They give them opportunities to contribute. They get their skills up. Once they get their skills up, companies are like, oh, great. There's somebody that we want to hire. 
and they hire them and it leaves kind of this vacuum in the community, right? But my thing is what kind of policies we can have as a tech industry so that if a company goes and sourced from this open source community, can we have it that is built into their job for the first six months at 10 hours a month that employee has to go and contribute to that community? Can we have it that they're making a financial contribution or order to, you know, replace some of the talent that they've kind of, for lack of a better word, poached from those communities? So if we can collectively come together to talk about those things that we as an open source community or open science community want to do, and we have these pledges where communities agree to these things, where all the other stakeholders, companies or whatever agree to these things. I think those are some of the things that really advance DEI. They're very germane to open source, very unique to them. Um, and those are some of the things that I like to see. Those definitely sound like some good projects going forward. So for folks who are excited about building more DEI into their open source communities, what advice do you have for them? Um, I would just say um, understanding that a contributor can mean many, many things. I think if we can just get everybody to that baseline understanding, because a lot of times you have contributor meaning synonymous with someone that is um, contributing code to a community. But as we've been talking about through this entire podcast, you can contribute and make contributions to a community in a multi-number of ways. Have a clear understanding for people on if they come into your community, how they can contribute, no matter their experience level. Um, Making sure for maintainers that you have a clear path on how do you go from contributor to maintainer. Your community hospitality. Something we heard from from folks, new contributors say, oh my gosh, when I go in a community and I join and I got this email that says, welcome to our community. Your voice is, you know, really appreciated here. Here's how you can contribute. We really value you. Those things like, they were like, that's one of the most welcoming feelings they ever have. So those are some quick, easy steps that you can do in order to advance DEI. Before this conversation, I thought of GitHub as a platform only for programmers with a certain level of understanding in coding. But after this chat with Demetrius, I've learned that GitHub is a platform that is open to all. It's a community where coders of all expertise levels can contribute and where even non-coders can take on useful community roles. It gives me comfort to know that I can be part of this community, no matter my experience level. In my view, this is what open science should be all about. It must be open to all, so it can be shaped by everyone and understood by people from all walks of life. There's actually another element of open science that supports this type of access and understanding, and that's open education. In our next episode, we'll speak to a scientist who has built some incredible open education tools. In the meantime, learn more about GitHub All In. So if you go to allinopensource.org, you can click on join the community. We're also on Twitter, all in open source. If you want to just know about me and my career, my random musings, follow me on LinkedIn at DW Cheatham. Be sure to review and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And send some love to our sponsors at IEEE underscore GRSS on Twitter and Instagram. And IEEE Geoscience and Remote Sensing on Facebook and LinkedIn. This episode was produced by Nicole Bedford from Nicole Bedford Films with help from me, Stephanie Tomampos. Graphics and design by Mylene Briggs of Killa Media. And a special thanks to Yvonne Ivy Parker and Keely Roth for their support. I'm Stephanie Tomampos and you've been listening to Down to Earth.